بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala We seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Alright, <clears throat> this is I think day 18 of, uh, of our Quran class MashaAllah for all of those who have survived nearly three weeks in, in a row uh, with me and so so let's continue uh, along. Last we left off, we were looking at ayahs uh, 26 and 27 of Surat al-Baqarah. Hopefully my phone has some battery power. Okay. Um, and there we're looking at the attributes of the fasiq, which was also a view of the keys to misguidance. And I have to use that, those words carefully, but we will summarize what we mean by the keys to misguidance. The first one we spoke about quite a bit yesterday, and that was uh, to break your pact with Allah after joining it. And there what we also explored was the fact of the fitrah, and this, what we call the primordial covenant, this meeting that we are all said to have had with Allah Ta'ala in pre-eternity. And so now let us look at uh, attribute number two of the people of taqwa, they sever, they split what Allah has ordered to be joined. Okay. And, and just in case you'd like to, to see the text itself, uh, where is it? Right here. So hopefully you can see um, Loyola and then right over here. So, so the first attribute is they, they break the pact with Allah after having confirmed it. And the second is that they split what Allah has ordered to be joined. Sorry for not highlighting the whole thing. And the third attribute is that they cause corruption in the, in the earth. Yeah. And so the splitting, uh, uh, severing what Allah Ta'ala has ordered to be joined is continuing this one theme that we've been speaking about throughout the entire class throughout the entire course, and this is the, the fundamental importance of connection and relationships. And the basic principle here is that we do not have, uh, uh, we do not have permission to break off relationships with blood. Naturally, uh, there are some cases where it might be necessary to keep distance. Uh, one would be, of course, an abusive relationship, uh, another would be if someone is breaking off from belief, uh, but even then you'll find many families will still maintain relationships with the hope that belief will return. Uh, uh, but if you think all the way back to, to Bismillah Rahman Rahim, so Ayah 1 1, we spoke about the B, and there we spoke about connections. And then in the middle ayah of, of Al-Fatiha, we spoke about the Day of Judgment. We called it Yom din And from there, we spoke about relationships. Oh, here, wait, sorry. Connection. And then when we spoke about Dean, we spoke about interaction and relationships. And I'm just drawing all this just to really emphasize the point within us. 
when he spoke about the we prayers, you alone, we worship you alone, we ask for help, guide us on the straight path, the path of those whom you have favored, not of those uh, on whom is anger, uh, nor those we are astray, who are astray. We also connected this to the Ummah. And then, jumping all the way forward, we saw that the third command of the Quran was uh, a duty to each other. Whereas the first two commands were our relationship with Allah Ta'ala. And so now here we have uh, the issue of splitting what Allah has ordered to be joined. And the common understanding of this is relationships. Of course, other relationships, uh, breakage that are considered to be legit or acceptable is, for example, divorce. Uh, and, and so here, for example, you cannot disown your parents, you cannot disown your children, you cannot disown your cousins. But like I said, if, uh, if it's a matter of abuse, then sometimes distance is the best thing with the hope of reunification. Um, if it's uh, someone breaks off from belief, still the practice of many families is to keep relationships with the hope that they come back. Because often it is compassion that will bring someone back as opposed to uh, rational argument. But the key point I want us to take is how centrally important relationships are in the entire tradition. The point that Allah Ta'ala is saying, or the Prophet is saying, peace be upon him, and I'm paraphrasing, that if you break a relationship with someone without cause, that relationship is going to speak against you on the day of judgment. The relationship itself is going to speak against you. So there are many things that we would speak of as conceptual in this world that would become physical on the day of judgment, that will become corporeal on the day of judgment. And relationships will be corporeal uh, on, on the day of judgment. And I think I just lost my connection again. So um, can you nod or something to let me know you can hear me? Yeah, fine. Okay, good, good. All right. <clears throat> so I'll wait for that computer to come back, inshallah. So that's the second attribute. The third attribute is understood a couple of ways. Do not make mischief in the earth. The most common way this seems to be understood, the third attribute, the most common way that that seems to be understood is do not do wrong with other people. So great pact with Allah. Split what Allah says to keep. And make mischief in the world. Yeah. So to think about uh, what else we are saying here. The key to the keys to misguidance, all of these are whoops. Sorry. All of these are examples of misconduct. And the first one is misconduct with the self, the second is misconduct with the family, and the third is misconduct with society.
So these are the three keys to misguidance. Okay. Fundamentally, what is it? It is misconduct. So think back to that drawing that, that uh, I've made before, uh, perhaps a few times with le uh, varying levels of, of, uh, of results. Here is, sorry. Here is your heart. And then in your heart, anybody remember what we have? Uh, Sarah, the third one is to make mischief in the world. Uh, in the heart, nobody remembers? Irada, correct. In the heart, we have your yearning. Yes, this is a heart. This is a person who, who needs to work on the cardio. Okay. And then we have Nia. And then here we have Amal. So Irada is your yearning. Nia is your intentions. Amal is your actions. And so then we also said that your intentions will affect your heart and your actions will especially affect your heart. So your irada, your, your yearning is compelling your intentions. Your intentions are then forcing your actions. Uh, once again, what is the difference between intention and yearning? Yearning is that desire. I wish I could have such and such. It becomes intention when you start making a plan for it to, to happen. And then amal is the action. And so if I make a positive intention, it improves the condition of my heart. If I make a negative intention, it won't have as much effect on me. Uh, but it's still something that will have effect. If I do a positive action, it'll affect my heart. If, it, if I do a negative action, it'll definitely affect my heart. Okay. Uh, Dr. Mohi wants to go on Hajj. So at that point, that is an irada. Intend to is when Dr. Mohi starts even doing some Google searches on how to get to Hajj. Then it starts becoming an intention. It's that simple. Inshallah. And I have a question, Omar. Yes. Uh, so this, that's why this, uh, the first hadith for all the books, um, you know, Inna bil amalu bin yad. Yeah. Is, uh, that's the reason the ulama call it like a one third of the religion covered in this uh, hadith. Uh, I don't know about the one-third in religion, but yeah, this is how many, many books begin. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, this is exactly related. I mean, it's it's written in the same book many, many years ago, the four hadith, the four volume from the Imam Nabawi, you suggested, the red color one. It's, it says on that page number something, 26. Yeah, yeah. Elena's best. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just forgetting the, the, the narration, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, so my, my question is that, you know, is that, is that's the, that's the connotation that, you know, that connected between the intention and the irada and the amal. So, so if you are unable to perform the amal, yeah. and something happened to you between the irada and niya, mm -hmm. so how that will be? Allah SWT, okay. the jaza for all those, or so this, this, is, uh, this is something I was considering doing in terms of the math. But yeah, let's do it. Okay, so so we have. <clears throat> Um, so this chart is good to, to, as a refresher, especially because we're approaching Ramadan. 
So you have intention, you have action. I don't know why my ends have suddenly become so strange. Okay, so there is a, a purpose for these squiggly lines. And then we will speak of this as reward. So most of you are familiar with this, uh, but to make sure everyone's on the same page, suppose I do, uh, so would it all be like the desire to do something? Yes, and we'll be talking about that more in, in a bit, inshallah. Um, if I intend to do something, positive and then I do it that's one scenario if I intend to do something positive and I'm not able to do it if I intend to do something negative and I do it and if I intend to do something negative and I do not do it okay so everyone column number one what is the reward uh, of, of column number one? I intend to do something and I do it. A little bit higher, a little bit higher. Keep going, keep going higher than 10. I get rewarded 10 to 700 times. If uh, on a normal day or night, if I intend to do something and for whatever reason, I'm not able to do it, then yes, 1x. So let's call this plus 10 to 700 plus 1x. If I intend to do something negative and I do it, what do I get? Minus 1x unless what? Unless you're the one who invented the bad action. Okay. So the story that is invoked is what? This is a story of Abel and Habel, the Cain kills Abel. Uh, and because that introduced, uh, yes, that introduced murder, that Cain has a share in every single murder that happens for the rest of human history. So then when I did this class with my daughters, nieces, and nephews, just an hour ago, we went through this lesson, and then they asked, well, okay, what about the guy who invented the internet? Is that person responsible for cyberbullying? And I said, uh, probably not for cyberbullying, but the person who invented cyberbullying will probably have a share for all of, of, of uh, uh, cyberbullying. Much <laughs> cakes. Uh, Stephanie, we'll get to your question in a moment, inshallah. Uh, last scenario, I intend to do something bad, but I do not do it. What is the consequence? I get rewarded for the equivalent good deed. This is on normal days or nights. Okay. But what about, uh, how about if something stopped you? So we're speaking in the general sense. If something stopped you, uh, uh, then it, you may still be held to account for it. 
it's in your it's your intention in general uh, 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 so Yesna, I'm speaking more about a specific action so let's say Yesna wanted to punch uh, Sodom in the nose and she decides not to then she gets rewarded for not punching her brother in the nose so let's say she gets rewarded for, for hugging him if Yesna wanted to punch Sod, uh, Sodom in the nose but she tripped and isn't able to punch him, she may still be held to account for punching him. So, so the do not do it often relates to what is it that prevented it. Okay, but what if it's a special night or day? Like for example, in Ramadan, then how do the numbers change? Column one. as much as 700 times. Column two, as much as 700 times. So, um, but three and four, inshallah, are not affected. So notice this is not straight balance. This is purely tilted in the favor of good actions. So, for example, this is also a belief for the 15th of Shaban. So, according to some calendars, it's last night. According to some calendars, it's tonight. That we said that this is when, uh, according to some narrations, Allah Ta'ala is closest to Allah, that it can be argued that, you know, the deeds are much, much higher tonight. Okay. okay so, I'm sorry? By 700, I assume you're... Uh, you're referring to the ayah where uh, the uh, the ayah of the uh, corn leaf. Yeah, the corn and, would be uh, the ten to seven hundred. Yeah, that's one yeah. of the sources for that. Yeah, yeah that's the seven hundred. But what about bighayra hisab? So okay, okay, much higher. That's okay. So that's that's a different point. The first we're doing is laying out the whole foundation of reward and such. Yeah. When does this become especially relevant? Think back to when people are at the different levels of faith. For this person, the day of judgment is essentially the scales okay, of your good and bad. Okay. For this is this person, it's beyond measurement. Okay. Any guesses on what would be the person in between? Whoa. Maybe we should make that a... 700. Sorry? 700. This definitely would be higher scales. But let's add more to this. This is the realm of the body, mind, heart. So this is the realm of action. Whoops. Okay. Uh, Sammy got it. Uh, this is the realm of action. So thus what matters is the scales. This is the realm of intention. So here everything is measured according to intention. Here actions are judged by intentions. Here it's intention. And what do we say is beyond measurement? Here it's all the condition. So this is, this is essentially heart. And so this is, this is the realm of yearning. 
Here, it's purity of the heart. Now, even this, don't look at this as a cut and dry. Don't look at this as though it's, it's you know, solid. Either you're an Islam or you're an Iman or an Ihsan. Think of these as blending into each other. And so depending upon how close you are to Allah, that is the measurement to use for, for your accounting. Uh, either it's going to be according to scales, which one is heavier, or it's going to be by the purity of your intention. Uh, or the, the strength of your intentions, or it's going to be how salim is your qalb, how pure and serene is your heart. Okay, so so here, the point in all this, <clears throat> if we go back to, to uh, may, may I close this? Does anybody still need this? Yeah, I will close it in case, and then if someone needs it, we can go back. So we're speaking of the fact that the key to misguidance is misconduct. Misconduct with the family, misconduct with, or misconduct with the self, misconduct with the family, misconduct with community. Misconduct with the community is the worst of the three. Okay. So for example, if you look at sins, there are those sins that, that a person may do that only affect you. For example, let's say you skip a prayer. Okay. Then there are those sins that will uh, affect other people, like you tell a lie. Okay. Then there are those things you do with other people. And those also seem to have the most severe punishments. So one of the ways fahish is translated, fahish meaning is often translated as indecency or immorality. It's essentially sin that is the collaboration of other people. That is looked at as synonymous with corruption in society. Can you show that screen again once more, please? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, this one? Is this the screen or the previous screen? Okay. Okay. Other, other between the family and the society will have the same sort of a scaling? Uh, it would be different. Uh, so, because imagine you do a, a crime with a family member, okay. and and so who's the victim when you have a crime involving two people? The society is the victim. <coughs> if you're, <coughs> excuse me, if you're doing, if you're breaking off a relationship with your family, your family member, the family is a victim. Um, and so even then it becomes harder to evaluate which one is, is worse, but in general, the, the least worst is literally your pact with Allah, but that can affect all the other two things. So, so we, we are, you're talking about more like classification of Adil. Keep going. Uh, what do you mean? So, so you know that uh, the Adil have a different classification, depend upon the person, family, and society. So the, so individually, if someone is, hurting himself or herself, mm -hmm. that is, that is on, that's, he's actually, there's a different scale of the punishment or the, or the judgment, right? Okay. But if, if the same person is doing something for a family, uh, like, you know, abuse or something. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is affecting the whole society per se, right? Because then you're, yeah. but it could be hidden inside the house, right? Yeah, but that, that negativity caused some psychological problem and those people are getting 
damaged by that. It could affect it that way. But the key point being, uh, if it's a crime involving people and it's, it's hidden, it's still fundamentally different between a crime that is public. So think of, you know, even though we have young people involved, think of the crime of Zina. Uh, what do you need for a conviction of Zina? You need four witnesses, right? When will you ever have four witnesses unless it's something like a public situation? Okay. And the general principle is that if you have three witnesses or less, okay, then what happens? You get, a, you get the punishment for the accusation, even if it really happened. And so there the principle is that then, you know, uh, you keep it hidden. If it's a confession, then that's a different issue. Yeah. But do you see the point that I'm making? I mean, it becomes to some degree, it becomes an argument of which one's worse, you know, but the key point I'm making is that if it's public, it is still different than if it's inside the house. If it's inside the house, it will affect what's outside of the house, no doubt. But if it's outside the house, it's definitely affecting what's outside the house and what's inside the house. Does that make sense? Don't know if you're responding. Okay, any questions so far? Okay, um, we'll get to some of these, these, uh, these questions. Uh, Fahish, is Fahish related to Fasik? Fasik would be that individual who has you know, no shame whatsoever. And so the person who has no shame is doing all three of these things. So if you're doing all of them, oh, sorry. Uh, if you're doing all, that means you are a fasik. So these are the attributes of, of a fasik. Okay. And so if you think about this, this is the opposite of taqwa. How? We said that this is the book is guidance for those who have taqwa. And then those people who do those six things, they have guidance. And then Allah Ta'ala does not misguide anyone except for the Fasik. And these are the attributes of the Fasik. So it's fair to assume that the people of Taqwa, the people of Taqwa are keeping their pact with Allah, they're keeping their commitments. They're keeping relationships. And they're avoiding mischief in, in the society. Whereas the Fasik does not care. Now, so are these stemming from distrust in Allah? We said that the attributes of the hypocrite are stemming from distrust in Allah. Here the Fasik would be the ultimate narcissist. The Fasik doesn't care. So we're saying even a hypocrite has some amount of shame. Good. Whereas the Fasik, yes, is rebellious. It's almost as though they've made their nature into rebellion. So earlier in a previous class, we talked about lying. That if someone keeps lying, they will reach the point where Allah Ta'ala stamps them as a liar. Whereas if someone keeps telling the truth, Allah Ta'ala stamps them as a truth teller. And a way that's understood is that if you get stamped, it's as though you're a pathological liar now. And that's going to affect all of your thinking and such. And so the Fasik is someone who is sort of at that level. And so Allah Ta'ala does not misguide anyone except for these people. These are the people that are messing up everything for everyone else. Okay. 
Any other questions related to this? Uh, I'm debating on you, let's look at um, if we should finish this section. Uh, let's stop right here. And then tomorrow we will do IS 28 and 29 and we'll perhaps get into I of 30. So let me, let me, um, if I may, I'm going to uh, open the floor back up for questions. There's a whole lot of things in the chat that I have to catch up on, inshallah. Okay, so is the faucet more like rebellious? Yes, um, distrust and love, we talked about that. Where does the unconscious map on these? Is it the heart level, intention, or the subconscious? Really, really profound question, Abdullah. Uh, I would say that which we today understand as the unconscious, uh, some of it could be at the level of irada. In fact, here, let me, let me add one more drawing here. Uh, I don't know if you all like my drawings or if you're sick of them, but I'm having a good time. Okay, so. So let's talk about the idea of irada. And, and, and so here, let me give you my wonderful heart. Sorry, heart is way off. We said before, what is your central irada? Your central irada is return to Allah or connection, connection or return to Allah. That is the central irada of every person. Okay. Uh, Sadia, I'm not sure which question you're asking about. That is the central irada. Uh, but how will that be felt in relationship to Abdullah's question? It will be felt as unease. That you may inter interpret. Okay, so the question. Uh, 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 I'm asking relates to the, uh, the question that Abdullah asked a little bit above about where is this in terms of the unconscious. If, so I feel this unease because of distance from Allah, but I'm misdiagnosing it. So I might compensate for it, this, this, this misdiagnosis with a different irada. I might believe it's loneliness. And then I might compensate for the loneliness with something deeper or something else, which could be, so I compensate for layer two with a second irada, or let's call it a third irada, that I need interaction with people. And so, I keep adding over the course of my life more layers. And so my behavior is an interpretation of what I think my heart is seeking. So think back to when we spoke about dua. Why do I want to get to work on time? Because I don't want to get in trouble. Why don't I want to get in trouble? So I don't lose my job. So I don't lose my income. So I don't lose my family, so forth and so on. Okay. And we said at the core, usually your dua is something simple like rahmah. That would be layer two right here. Your actual dua for everything, the core dua, is to be connected back to Allah. Okay. But through the course of time, in, re in response to our choices, in response to things that happen to us, positive, negative, we are often adding layers upon layers upon layers. 
And so one of the processes of moving from Islam to Iman to Ihsan is the process of removing these layers to bring us down to the person we are seeking to be inside, or what we are in our inside. And this is our fitrah. But our heart might become layers upon layers upon layers of compensating for the failure to fulfill that innate need. So a need for attention, a need for conquest, a conflict-seeking behavior, conflict avoidance behavior might, if you get down to them, are literally just compensations upon compensations of what is in the heart or what is unsatisfied in, 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 in the heart. So, so to answer uh, Abdullah's question in terms of the unconscious, a big part of this would be all this realm of what's taking place in the heart that we might call unconscious. And some of us will get a taste of this through the course of Ramadan, you know, as you're getting reduced and you become more in touch with your real self. Like my students, you know, my undergrads, you know, uh, often I have to tell them that I'm fasting because if they come to my office looking for an answer, they usually get the most blunt, frank answer when, when I'm fasting. They're like, oh, you're fasting today, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, let's see. I've been avoiding conflict with Ghazi Sub since the last 18 days. Yeah, good luck with that one. Okay, because I think he's looking for conflict with you. Okay, uh, let's see. Muhammad Lufi, uh, four hit witnesses who hate you so much that they'll testify against you. you, you okay, I'm afraid to even find what that was. Uh, four witnesses who hate you so much that they'll testify against you to get you stoned. Um, that's possible as a way to, to frame it. Um, uh, but I mean, these would literally have to be four people that are, that are that much in cahoots and, and, and I mean, so a case will often be a bit more complex than that. Our actions originate from the realm of Iman. So our actions originate from, uh, the realm of mind, meaning our intentions originate from the realm of Iman. And so our actions are in, this is Sodom's question, our actions are in the realm of the body. Yes, they uh, originate from Iman, which is in the mind, which itself originates from the heart. Okay. Uh, how should we understand the weighing the scales, hearts, in the context of structural oppression? Do we get a share based on our complicities? Do our in interactions, intentions protect us? Or does the harm done to the oppressed make it a discussion of forgiveness by victims? This is a fantastic question uh, that I think uh, a lot of our, our contemporary Muslim thinkers have not even come close to. Uh, to try and address. Uh, but the short answer is I would say perhaps yes, that if you have capability that you do nothing about, then you would be held to account um, uh, according to your capability. Uh, if I should say capability and awareness. Uh, Ramya, I'm not sure if this question is appropriate to ask within the discussion, but something I'm trying to reconcile is the idea that we shouldn't share our sins with others and the reality that within Western mental health construction seeking, speaking about processing things that one might feel ashamed or is important for healing and the establishment of a positive self-concept, how does that reconcile these? So as a, as a principle, absolutely, you should not share your sins. Uh, you should keep them hidden. And then the promise, inshallah, is that if you keep your sins hidden, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala will keep your sins hidden. If it's a sin that is involving other people, remember that third layer, uh, uh, corruption in the world, if you do it once, you keep it hidden, inshallah, if you, uh, Allah will keep it hidden. If it's repeat behavior, Allah Ta'ala will expose it. Um, um, in the context of therapy, uh, uh, a lot of the rules for Islamic law will uh, change in the context of education and in the context of medicine. 
And, and so for example, right, you can't drink alcohol, but what if alcohol is your medication? Okay. So therapy would be in the category of medication. And so, uh, uh, so sins could potentially be discussed there. Uh, but this is also a thing in my office, and I'm not a therapist, but in terms of, of chaplaining, uh, students are all the time sharing their sins. And sometimes if I feel that they've shared with me enough for me to know the information, then I'll, I'll stop them. But yeah, they will share with me all kinds of details. Since we discussed Kafir, Monafik, and Fasik, we've learned that to some degree they all acknowledge the existence of Allah. What would be the term for someone who has not acknowledged or even knows the existence of Allah? Uh, um, there's various terms, but we are going to touch on this tomorrow, because tomorrow, inshallah, we're going to talk about atheism. Uh, let's see. Are conflict-prone and conflict-averse two sides of the same coin? Wonderful question. Uh, I think they are related. I'm not yet knowledgeable enough to, to call them two sides of the same coin, but uh, my tendency, uh, uh, Dr. Mahan, is to agree with you. Uh, let's see. Uh, if, you get, if I've missed your questions, if, or if you have other questions, please repost. Uh, as I look, if I, as I scroll up. Olfat, um, uh, you asked somewhere earlier, the unless could also be Tauba, right? And so, so uh, if you could repeat that question. Uh, Stephanie, uh, why are numerical values assigned? I think we answered that when we talked about the different levels of faith. Um, Majid says, yikes, and I remembered what it was for, but I don't remember now. I think it was because of the value of some of these things. Otherwise, I'll give another moment in case anyone else is typing a question. Hopefully, inshallah, Dr. Mohi can make his hajj, and hopefully Suleiman can do great things um, uh, with or without the hajj, inshallah. Okay, that was regarding the intention and action, negative intention, negative action. Yeah, that is not including Dauba. Dauba would itself wipe out a lot of things. How do we understand accountability based on promise made in another world? I don't understand that question. Please, uh, Basir, please uh, explain that further. Any other questions? How many groups are you teaching this class to? <laughs> four. <laughs> we have completed the four. There's so many groups, I can't believe it. Okay. I mean, if we really want to get technical, the only other group off the top of my head would be Ahl al-Kitab and Majus. Um, uh, but that will not be in the context of this course. Is there going to be an exam for this? There will be an exam, inshallah. Uh, uh, I will give more details on the terms of the exam very soon, inshallah. Yeah. For those who want to continue uh, into IF40 and beyond. OMG, is that to manage the class size? Will you merge us after the exam, Who those who are moving forward? Uh, we'll see, inshallah. I mean, so part of the point, okay, so, so back to some of the things we mentioned at the beginning. Part of the point of the class is because we're all in this position of this global unknown. And part of the intention of the class is A, to give us some sort of daily stability, uh, this consistency that can help, hopefully, you know, help us get through the days. And then to reaffirm the basics of Dean to negotiate all these things that are part of, of, of the unknown. But the risk, however, is that it starts becoming daily entertainment. We have my jokes. We have, we have the two guys from the Muppet Show, Dr. Kazi and Dr. Malahat, who are also there, um, and such. And so, I don't want the knowledge to start turning into entertainment. And by entertainment, I just basically mean consumption. I think we might have talked about this in an early class that in our community, there's essentially um, 
four types of knowledge. One is entertainment. So this, you're going to a big arena to listen to your favorite Muslim preacher uh, preach before I get informed of their misconduct behind the scenes. Then we have another one, uh, which is consumption, which is the most common form of, of uh, Islamic knowledge learning, which is this, let me just take it in, let me take it in, let me take it in, with no change in my behavior. And then a step above that is informative learning. Just learning all kinds of facts and stuff with no idea of embodiment and at the top is transformative. Transformative is embodied knowledge. And so the point is that my hope is for this, which is which includes the hope that you're also doing at least the required homework. Anybody remember what the required homework assignment is? We've had two assignments, required assignments so far. And then we've had, I think, two optional assignments. Uh, how much worship should I do for the 15th of Shaban? Very good question. Uh, the way I, I frame this is that, especially if you're a somewhat new convert, right? You know, hunt in case you know some new converts, somewhat new-ish converts. Uh, for a lot of practices, I suggest taking the lifelong approach, which is give yourself an amount to do tonight, if you're worshiping tonight, with the intention that you increase it the next uh, next year at this time, and then you increase it the next year after that um, at this time. So let's say you do two extra rakats, four extra rakats, um, um, or, or additional Quran reading or charity with the intention of increasing, uh, increasing that. Majid, I just joined class today. I blame Allah uncle for not sharing this uh, old timers chat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so one homework assignment, the mandatory homework assignment was to do the gratitude journal in which you list out five things from the past 24 hours to be grateful for. And for each one, you say Alhamdulillah. And for each one, you also make the dua in Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah 46, Ayah 15. That's meant, and you can't repeat the things in your gratitude journal. That you have to do every single day. The second is with a Quran uh, translation. If, if you don't understand the Arabic, if you're doing a mushaf, then use pencil. But uh, um, do go through 20 ayahs per day, starting from the first page, underlining every reference to Allah Ta'ala. The two optional assignments, one optional assignment is to list out all of your relationships. And I think I listed the top 30 relationships that you have and categorize them um, in whatever way, like these are family, these are friends, these are uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then evaluate your part in each of those relationships. Where are you solid? Where do you need to improve? So forth and so on. That's an optional assignment. And then that I'm happy to work with you on. Inshallah. And the other optional assignment with the Quran, you're starting from page one underlining, but from the last page, you're reading a surah per day and reflecting upon it, including taking notes. So those are the four assignments, two mandatory and two optional. If you do these things, can you repeat the relationship assignment? You list out the, your top 30 relationships that you can think of that you have. And then you're categorizing them. And then you're evaluating for each category and each individual relationship. What is, how, how good or how well are you handling your part in each of those relationships? Uh, like for example, uh, related to that, I have, uh, I keep a list of all the people with whom I have bad relationships. You know, category one would be those people who, if I hear that a train has run over someone, part of me wishes, okay, so I hope it's one of these people. 
did. And then part two is people with whom I have a bad relationship, but it could, it, it's, it, it could be better. And then some people where it's just not perfect. And then the intention for all of these is over the course of my life, I fix all of them. But I pray for all of these people in just about every prayer. Good. Okay, uh, Farazan, Surah 46, Ayah 15 is where the dua is. Surah 46, Ayah 15, Surah Al-Ahqaf. Any other questions? Alrighty, we will start right here with dua. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah ta'ala reward you all, each and every one of you. And may Allah ta'ala keep every one of us safe. And Jewel, I'm glad you like your drawings.